When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It's the Ryan Day didn't leave edition of Buckeye Talk. We thought maybe we would be doing the goodbye Ryan Day Ooh, edition. I didn't get the I have to get the list ready. Oh yeah. Yeah. Don't we you, have a we were prepared for this guy to leave, weren't we? Don't you yeah. need the good day Ryan Day podcast? Good day Good yeah. Day Ryan Day. Way to way too strong arm Ohio State and get uh, we have to talk about I don't still have a firm understanding of like what exactly he got, but he got something. And there's not a lot of people who get stuff from Ohio State. So I found that very interesting. Anyway, Doug Maurice, Bill Landis, Tim Bielek. We're going to talk about the Ohio State football coaching staff uh, in pretty good detail today. We're going to talk about Ryan Day. We're going to talk about Greg Schiano. We're going to talk probably more about Alex Grinch because Tim will make us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to break down another position group. We've done the running backs and quarterbacks as a group. Then last week we did the receivers. This week we're doing the offensive line. So we're going to break those guys down. We're going to talk about a thing Landis just wrote about. Will Ohio State win the 2018 recruiting title, which would be Urban Meyer's first recruiting title in Columbus? They, there were some numbers rejiggered, and they didn't do anything, but they went from number two to number one again after they had sort of lost the number one spot on the early signing day. And then we'll get to some of your questions. So another busy Buckeye Talk. Again, read us at cleveland.com slash OSU. Follow us on Twitter at Tim Bielek, at Doug Maurice, at Bill Landis 25. And let's do a quick, 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 quick podcast explainer for people. Because again, most of you are not affected by this. But we are migrating platforms. Yeah. And migrating platforms... I migrated platforms one time in my 20s. It hurt like hell. But sometimes you got to do it. Um, so we're migrating platforms, and just to explain that, tech wizard Bill Landis, who uh, bought a Yeti microphone for this podcast that we don't use anymore. I use it when I do solo podcasts. Oh, you do? Yeah. Who paid out of his own pocket for a SoundCloud account so we could have a separate Buckeye Talk feed. You are the technological backbone of... Of this podcast, as well as a man with a fine beard. Explain what's happening. Uh, it's mostly that I don't feel like paying for SoundCloud anymore. Um, so, I've, Is this a SoundCloud fundraiser now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a GoFundMe. Um, 
No, we're we're just we have a bunch of Cleveland.com podcasts and we're trying to like house them all in one place now, which you don't really care about. Uh, what it changes or what it could potentially change is that it's possible that Buckeye Talk, like down the line, won't be on SoundCloud anymore. And I know that some people use the SoundCloud app to listen to Buckeye Talk. So um, I guess to let you inside, like I have an account with SoundCloud that runs into uh, until October and then it expires. And then after it expires, they limit how much audio you can upload. So it's possible that come next October, so way down the line, that it won't be on SoundCloud, SoundCloud anymore. Um, but it will be on all the other places, um, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn. We've submitted to Spotify. I've not heard back if we're going to be on Spotify or not yet. Um, but if you use anything other than SoundCloud, you should be fine. If you do use SoundCloud, you have from now until October to find somewhere else to listen to it. So we're giving you a warning, I guess. And the place we've migrated to, on that platform, we're good on iTunes and we're good on Google Play. So if possible, those are two very good places to subscribe to podcasts Mm -hmm. that, again, it's just magic. The podcast fairies, in the morning when you wake up, there's a podcast on your phone. Now, this one's not going to be on your phone until like after lunch, because normally we put this up Wednesday morning and we're not putting it up till Wednesday afternoon. But that's a very good... Should everyone do that, Bill? Should everyone just do that? Is there a reason not to do that? Not to do what? To to subscribe to <laughs> iTunes or Google Play. Oh, uh... Is there any reason that you wouldn't do that? No, I, th- I No, I don't think so. Obviously, if you don't have an iPhone, you can't use the iPhone podcast app, but that's free because someone sent me a message and said, where, where are you, why are you moving it from SoundCloud? I don't want to have to pay, which is a fair worry. Um, but I, you don't have to pay for Google Play. Like, Buckeye Talk is free. Um, and it's free on iTunes. Like it's not. No matter what happens, you're not going to, have to pay for anything. It's just a logistical thing for us that we may not be able to use SoundCloud. So if you have a an iPhone, use the Apple Podcast app. If you have an Android phone, you can use Google Play. Um, I'm not telling you how to live your life, but if you do one of those two things, you will not miss an episode of Buckeye Talk. I can promise that. Sometime down the line, I would perhaps like to do something where we do like a Buckeye Talk after dark kind of thing that you have to pay for. Like there's the normal Buckeye Talk, but then Buckeye Talk after dark where it gets real, that's that's the adult version that's, you know, that's a pay channel. Yeah. What would we talk about? I think we talk more. We talk more plans against the robot revolution. Yeah, I saw someone actually tweeted you a video, Doug, of a robot cutting someone's hair. <laughs> That's terrifying. For real. Yeah. While I, for one, welcome our new robot overlords. That is. That's kind of a line I would not want to cross. I will never let a robot cut my hair. Me neither. Can I say one more thing? We're six minutes in. We haven't talked about football yet. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. This is another plan. Cluster truck. We are going to try. We want, as you know, if you've listened to this podcast, nobody gives us any money (laughs) ever. We tried one time. We thought maybe we're going to get a sponsor. I think we screwed that up. That's not. That's not the part. The the business's fault. Um, But I reached out to Cluster Truck, which is a truck full of clusters <laughs> that at the very least is in Cleveland and Columbus and a couple other Midwestern cities. Goon, I think, buys cluster truck food in Indianapolis. Yeah. You know who you are, Goon. Um, and Mantis Toboggan going to cluster truck together in Indy. So listen, if you listen to this podcast and you would maybe someday like for us to get a nickel from this podcast, 
which could benefit you as a listener at some point. I don't know how, but probably good for everybody. It could end up sounding better. Yeah. Yes. Tweet at Cluster Truck. Tweet at them and say, I listen to Buckeye Talk. It's lovely. They talk about football and food. I think you should sponsor them. It would help your business. Tweet at Cluster Truck with Buckeye Talk Pod in there so we can see it. And let's make a cluster truck revolution happen on this podcast so that we can get a nickel. A frickin' nickel! I'm already envisioning um, like a, an on-location show called Cluster Buckeye Talk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Buckeye Talk and a cluster truck. Or cluster truck I talk. <laughs> cluster, <laughs> cluster bucker truck. Listen, also say the thing you said about them. They have good what? Oh, the tots are uh, to die for. We, I ordered. I we ordered from there because it was a funny name, which is like that's good business. Um, yeah. But the food was really good. Like I'm not. A, I, they're not technically a sponsor yet. I'm telling you, the food was really good. I had a Cuban sandwich and tater tots, and it was awesome. That's the best. Uh, Cluster Truck has never gotten a better ringing endorsement yeah. e- anywhere ever. Cluster Truck. When you want a cluster, go to Cluster Truck. Yeah. All right, let's talk about football. Ryan Day. What did Ryan Day do? Mike Vrabel offered him a job. We know that's a fact. Yep. He was offered the Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator job. He did not take it. He considered taking it. And Urban Meyer uncode him. So he's yep. no longer the co-offensive coordinator, but now we're into, like, semantics. So can we just establish this first? Last year, what were the titles for Kevin Wilson and Ryan Day? As it relates to offensive coordinator. Kevin Wilson was offensive coordinator and Ryan Day was co-offensive coordinator. Can you have, how can you have one person be a co to another without that person being a co? If I'm your, if if there are, you don't say there's a host of a show and here's my co-host. There are two co-hosts, aren't there? How can you co someone if the other person's not code? It's, you're, you're splitting it in half. So Kevin Wilson can't be the whole offensive coordinator when Ryan Day is half the offensive coordinator. That's 150% of offensive coordination. How was how did that work last year? Kevin Wilson was not a co last year? No, and I think they had some I'm, I'm looking at it now because I think they had something weird on defense too where 2 years ago Luke Fickle and Greg Schiano were co-defensive coordinators. And last year, I think Greg Schiano was defensive coordinator and Kerry Combs was assistant defensive coordinator. But I'll buy that. I'll buy that because you don't hyphenate assistant. Co, you hyphenate in front of the word. Yeah. So how can you – I don't – it doesn't make sense. So what you're telling me is last year, Wilson was the offensive coordinator and Ryan Day was half of the offensive coordinator. Now this year, their answer to keeping Ryan Day was they're both fully the offensive coordinator because they uncode Ryan Day. But now they have two full offensive coordinators. What does that mean? I think it's just a money thing. I think, like, someone and, someone said this on Twitter, and I forget who it was. I'm stealing someone else's um, thought on it. But they said it might have it might have actually been Marcus Hartman of the Dayton Daily News. He said because it's a public university, like, the title matters – um, depending on how much money you're going to pay a position, so Kevin Wilson made more money than Ryan Day, so that's why Ryan, that's why Kevin Wilson had the co, or had, didn't have the co, and Ryan Day did have the co, and like 
Kerry Combs makes significantly less than all those guys and less than Greg Schiano, so he didn't have to have the co because he didn't meet some kind of threshold. And I don't know if that's true. Um, but I think part of it is probably money related. Like you have to, I'm assuming Ryan Day got a raise out of this. I don't know that for a fact yet. Um, we're trying to get that information from Ohio State, but I'm assuming that his change in title came with a change in money, and that's why you saw the change in title. And then the other thing is, next time like he applies for a job, when when he gets hired as the head coach at um, uh, Georgia, after Kirby Smart leaves to be the coach of the New England Patriots, they'll <laughs> say... We hired Ryan Day, the Ohio State offensive coordinator, not Ryan Day, the Ohio State co-offensive coordinator. And like on his resume, he doesn't have to have a co on there anymore. Yeah, I think that's that's that matters. I think it carries more weight. Like we don't know the exact breakdown, but Bruce Feldman reported that Ryan Day is going to be the play caller, and we know that like Ohio State play caller is kind of a convoluted thing we went through with Ed Warner and Tim Beck, but. On your resume, if people even use resumes when you're getting hired as a coach. I'm sure he's on LinkedIn. Yeah, offensive coordinator certainly looks – and it looks better on your Twitter account too. Let me ask – He's going to gain followers because of that. This question is going to be on the SATs or the ACTs in Ohio in uh, 2019. This is one of the questions. <laughs> Kevin Wilson is Ohio State's offensive coordinator. Ryan Day is Ohio State's offensive coordinator. Are they co-offensive coordinators? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, yes. Yes, they are, technically, yeah. They are co-offensive coordinators, though their title is not co-offensive coordinator. Correct. <laughs> you know what this is? This is a cluster! Yeah. Brought to you by Cluster Truck, the potential Ooh. sponsor of the Buckeye Talk podcast. That's I like the thing. Cl- cluster of the week. Cluster of the week. Oh my <laughs> god! If we had a if we had a sponsor, because like sometimes I've started to do this. When you guys listen to a podcast, do you fast forward with the fifteen second fast forward button through the commercial? No, I don't. I listen to the commercial. I've started to fast forward through the commercial. I vow that if Cluster Truck becomes the sponsor of this podcast. We will say the word cluster at least once every five minutes just worked into the conversation. Cluster truck. What if we even just said truck? Yeah, that'd be fine. That guy got trucked. It was a cluster. Um, Okay, so Ryan Day, this is what really matters. We've had a 15-minute podcast about migrating platforms, clusters, and the semantics of the word co. The football question is, Ryan Day is calling the plays. So that means Kevin Wilson's not calling the plays. So what's up? What is up now? What's the deal? How do you think this will actually impact the Ohio State football team and the Ohio State offense in 2018? Um, I don't I don't know. I, I think there are some people who think it's going to mean like a total change in offensive philosophy. I think Ryan Day is seen more of like a pass guy and Kevin Wilson is seen more of a run guy. And I think that's probably true. And I think it's why they work well together. Um, but I don't know, like it's still, it's still like the Ohio state offense, like urban says. So I don't think you're going to see a total shift in the offense, but it isn't like it's, if Ryan Day is the play caller, then Kevin Wilson got demoted. So how do you think Kevin Wilson? So that's interesting. And I don't know, like I, the play calling felt, clunky at times last year 
But I never got the impression that like Urban was unhappy with how things were going. I think there was an understanding that it was going to take some time to sort through some new stuff with some new people. But and from my vantage point, they seemed pretty happy with the operation. So I don't know if it's just like Urban had to make a choice. It's like you have to make Ryan Day the play caller or you're going to lose him. And he values Ryan Day more than Kevin Wilson. Then I guess that makes sense to me. And, and Ryan Day certainly has more leverage than Kevin Wilson because Kevin Wilson is probably not hireable. Unless he wants to go be a coordinator somewhere else, why would he do that? Um, so Ryan Day had leverage, I think, and and because of that, Urban Meyer had to make a decision to keep Ryan Day strong armed. Get a, what, what you said. A lot of the questions were about Ryan Day. Yeah. Let's start working in some of these questions because there are some things I want to get to more about this. Um, a the dynamic as we as we think it might be occurring between Urban Meyer, Kevin Wilson, and Ryan Day, and then. Whether we think this is actually transformative for the Ohio State offense, and I have a thought. Uh, I have a thought on that, um, but I want to work in some of these questions because when we put out the call for Buckeye Talk Pod questions, you can always tweet us mm-hmm. at Buckeye Talk Pod. Many of them were about Ryan Day. Okay, uh, you like this one because you like having these kind of fake conversations. G Nilly asked, um, "How do you think the conversation went between Day, Urban, and Wilson regarding the play calling duties?" Feel free to speculate wildly. Okay. Come in. Hey, Ryan. How are you? Hey, Urban. Vrabel called. He offered me the offensive coordinator job at Tennessee. Well, that seems like a fine opportunity, Ryan. We'd sure love to keep you here in uh, Columbus. How could we do that? I'm calling the plays or I'm gone. Kevin, come in here for a second. Uh, yeah? Kevin, Ryan's calling the plays now. What? Ryan's calling the plays now. Go back to your office. Okay, see you guys later. How's that sound, Ryan? Uh, that sounds great. I'll call Variable. Okay, see you later. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a conversation. What I think is interesting about it, I wonder, considering it took one year at Ohio State for Ryan Day to suddenly get coordinator interest, if Kevin Wilson thinks, like, I'm probably going to only lose it one year, and when Day's gone, I get play calling back in 2019. Well, like the other thing, like, so what? what is Kevin Wilson's leverage in this? If Urban Meyer says, okay, Day's leaving if he doesn't call the plays. He's calling the plays. And Kevin Wilson says, well, if you say that Ryan Day's going to call the plays... I'm gonna blank. What could he do? I mean, he could <clears throat> he could leave. Like he he could explore other opportunities, be an offensive coordinator. But like, where he could be, he could take Ed Warner's job as Minnesota's offensive line coach. Yeah, like he's not he's not going to get hired as a head coach. I thought there was a chance he might have, just because it was kind of a crazy coaching carousel. But his name never came up. Do you th- how much do you think the the allegations? of how he handled player and play, players and player injuries in Indiana still greatly factors in to his resume and qualifications and consideration as a head coach right now. I think a lot. I think there's probably some sentiment among the people who make decisions to hire and fire head coaches that Kevin Wilson is a great coordinator but did not handle his only head coaching job well. And he does not seem like somebody who would be on an <clears throat> NFL radar as someone who runs a college offense, right, Tim? 
Right. I mean, his offense is definitely not pro style. There's all sorts of spread elements that have been in there ever since, you know, he's been at Oklahoma and Northwestern Oklahoma and now Ohio State. So, I, I like, I sort of admire Ryan Day. Yeah. Like, clearly, Ryan Day worked it. And I think, do we are we in agreement that if Ryan Day had not been given play caller duties and a raise at Ohio State, he would have left? I think so. Yeah. So... So it happened. It happened. I'm sure Kevin Wilson's not happy, but what is he going to do? But I think fans were asking about this last year. It sort of felt like in the middle of last year. And I think it was the way that guys like us asked about it, but it was also to some degree the way Urban talked about it. There was, speaking of platform migrations, the platform migration of that offense migrated from talking about what a great thing it is for Kevin Wilson to be there and Kevin Wilson helping the Ohio State offense to what a great thing it is that Ryan Day is there and Ryan Day helping the Ohio State offense. Yeah, we have a couple questions about that, actually. Um, question from Eric Brownstein. He said, is there friction between Urban and Kevin Wilson? Are they not seeing eye-to-eye naming Ryan Day offensive coordinator and giving him play calling over Kevin Wilson? It seems very odd. Throughout the season, Urban constantly credit Ryan Day for his influence on the offense, but rarely mentions Wilson, if ever. And there were a couple of people who echoed those same sentiments. Um, which I think, like... I think friction's the wrong word. I think friction's the wrong word, too. But I do think... I think that's kind of obvious that that was... Now, I don't know. Kevin Wilson was established. Um, we all knew how good of an offensive coordinator he was. He has the track record, so we talked a lot about it when he got hired. And no one knew anything about Ryan Day other than he was a Chip Kelly protege, but did not have any sort of extensive track record. Was okay at Boston College and coached the quarterback for two years in the NFL. Um, but... The thing that was going to change most with Ohio State's offense last year was the passing game. And Kevin Wilson has had prolific passing offenses because he's really good at tailoring his offense to his talent. But his background is in power run and offensive line and playing with tempo, and it's not really putting together a super diverse passing game. So that was Ryan Day's job, and he did it, and he did it well. Like, passing offense was better last year, and people aren't happy with how it went overall. But if you look at the like they were ranked 100th in the country in passing offense two years ago, 81st last year, and 36th this year. That's drastic improvement. Um, and that a lot of that was on the concepts that Ryan Day brought. So it makes sense to me that he would get more love than Kevin Wilson. I don't think it means that Urban Meyer hates Kevin Wilson. No, and I, I think – I don't know that Urban Meyer would have changed anything if Ryan Day hadn't forced the change. But if this is the situation, Tim, what is better for the Ohio State offense? Kevin Wilson and Ryan Day working together, but in the end, in the moment, on game day, Kevin Wilson calling the plays? Or Kevin Wilson and Ryan Day working together, but on game day, in the moment, Ryan Day calling the plays? What is better for Ohio State's offense? Uh, I would... I kind of flip-flop in the middle of you're asking the question. I would actually lean because of the situation coming into 2018 with the quarterbacks that Ryan Day might be a better play call in this case because he works with Dwayne Haskins and Tate Martell on a daily basis. And if you've been on Twitter in the last few days, Haskins and Martell both tweeted how excited they were that Ryan Day was coming back. So I would think as a play caller, as a, as a head coach, you'd want the play caller to be the one who's most comfortable with two quarterbacks who have limited to no experience playing at the, the college level to kind of get an idea of where they're comfortable throwing the football. 
Because you know the running game's no problem. With J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber back, there's going to be no issues with the running game. You can almost just lean on the run whenever you want. But you want a play caller who's comfortable with the quarterbacks, know where they're most comfortable, and who will call the plays that they feel those two guys, whoever's starting, one of those two guys is best suited to run. I agree with that. All things being equal, I think it's better in general for the offensive coordinator to be the quarterback's coach. Mm-hmm. I just think there's something to that, what Tim just explained. Also, I don't know if it's like a reaction to like Hugh Jackson hiring another whole staff of recycled retreads and like not hiring the Houston Texans quarterback's coach who wanted to call plays and instead hiring Todd Haley and like the heck with experience. Give me the fresh new up-and-comer who looks at the game in a little bit fresher way. And Kevin Wilson has been a really good offensive play caller for a long time. Give me Ryan Day. I'm all in on Ryan Day because he's the quarterback's coach, because he's got a new idea on things, because what we got, what we said that this is going to be more of a passing offense anyway in 2018, I think this is all good for Ohio State. Kevin Wilson just has to suck it up. He still has a really good job. He's still very important in this offense. But let Ryan Day run this show. I think Ryan Day running this show is going to get them back to more like when Tom Herman ran the show. The best that the best version of Ohio State's offense was Tom Herman as the play caller, the quarterback's coach running the show, backed up by a good offensive line coach, run game co-coordinator in Ed Warner. And I think now that they've flip-flopped, I think that's what you've got, man. Yeah. I think this is I think Herman Warner, President Herman, Vice President Warner. President Day, Vice President Wilson. I think that is like very similar, maybe even a better version of it. Ohio State, when they win the national championship in 2018, <laughs> we will point to this move. God, I'm so in. I have a, a, a good question, I think, before we guys we wrap up the Ryan Day conversation. We're not anywhere close to wrapping up. Ryan. Well, it go, it just goes to what like because that was a very emphatic endorsement of Ryan Day that I agree with. Um, Jian Wu asked, "Why is Ryan Day such a hot commodity? A lot of teams run shallow crossing routes, and it's not like JT lit the world on fire." He also says he loves the basketball podcast. Thank you. Um, I think it is an interesting question. Like why? So Ryan Day was reportedly offered the Mississippi State head coaching job. We don't know all the details of that, um, but it was reported that he was, and then he was offered an NFL. Offensive coordinator job with very little play. I don't. I actually don't even know for sure if Ryan Day called the plays at Boston College or if Steve Adazio did. Um, so it's possible he has no play calling experience, but I can't say that for a fact. It is a little strange that he is such a hot commodity, um, but I do think it's like he's a, he's a very sharp guy. I think you get that when you talk to him. He's got that kind of Tom Herman sharp quality about him. Um, the Chip Kelly connection helps him, and. While people were upset with the way that JT played last year, I don't think you can dispute the fact that he was better than he was at any point in 2015 or 2016. The numbers were comparable to 2014. Or comparable? <laughs> I think it's comparable. Comparable we've, to, 20, to We've done 15 minutes on this yeah. podcast on comparable, comparable. Yeah. He was, in my opinion, as good as he was in 2014 and at points 
last year I thought looked like a better passer. So I would disagree strongly that Ryan Day did not do a lot to help JT Barrett last year. And I think JT Barrett would also disagree with that. Um, and I think people who are in positions to evaluate those kind of things notice that. So it is, he's, he's a young guy who doesn't have a crazy extensive track record. Um, but I think the, the, the hot nature of his name, I think is warranted. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think like younger, sharp guy is like a thing. I don't, I, you know, but, and part of it is, I think last year, like JT's improvement. And this was always a thing we talked about, like with Tim Beck, like there's two things. There's play calling, and then there's coaching your guys. I think when you looked at Ryan Day coaching his guys, JT Barrett got better. Yeah. But I don't know that 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 is that really connected to play calling. That's what kind of drills do you run as a coach? That's how do you work with the guy every day? Where do you get his head? How do you watch film with him? How do you coach him up, right? How do you work with him in practice? But then on game day, I felt at times there were – I like – Kevin Wilson. Kevin Wilson is not as much of like a gruff, kind of maybe like know-it-all gruff, dismissive guy as maybe I thought he might be given that he's like a – he's been a head coach and now he's a coordinator and like it didn't go well. Yeah. In the end. Like Kevin Wilson, I think more than once this year was sort of like, I didn't do a very good job. I also think he does – like I feel like most most times when we talk to him, I learned something. Yeah. But he had a couple times this year where he felt like – you felt like he felt like the offense – wasn't great, and he would say, I didn't call a great game. Yeah. And I do think that happened. Even, for instance, like I was at, I asked J.K. Dobbins a little bit about this when we talked to the guys the other day, and I feel like this kind of got brushed over, which is fine because it wasn't a national championship game. It was just a bowl game, and you move on to the next thing. Their offense against USC was, like, not great. Mm-hmm. Like, J.K. Dobbins got shut down, like, for the first time all year, basically. They shut – like they couldn't really do, and that was not a great USC defense. They had they had a lot of sacks. They got after you a little bit, but that was not a sizzling offensive attack from Ohio State in that game. They won that game with defense. Like if I were Urban Meyer evaluating like the the feel of the play calling, that would be like another example of like man, like we didn't really get much going. In that game. And I think there are multiple games that you could point to in 2017. There were some really good ones. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple other important ones where it was like, man, like we just, we didn't sort of hit on stuff. And so I think you could see the evolution of maybe different kinds of plays and different kinds of routes and that kind of thing. But I think the fit and the balance of the in-game play calling at times left something to be desired. And I think Ryan Day might be better at it. I, th- I think it's worth at least giving him a shot. I don't. I, I, I'm always on the side of let someone new, let someone who thinks a little differently come in and try it when when the established guy maybe is feeling a little stale. So I'm all in favor of that. I don't think it doesn't mean that Ryan Day is going to be great. Like it's not a guarantee, but I think he will be. So I agree with that. Um, let me. I wanted to ask. Here, here's one question from the other day. Sometimes I do have trouble. Uh, going back and getting the old questions from during the week. But here's one. Here's two. Here's two good ones. Drizzy, our boy Drizzy, who loves getting busy. Mm. Ryan Day turned down two offensive coordinator jobs and head coaching oh, yeah. job. Bottom line, is he the head coach in waiting for Urban? I think I think no on that. I think that's a bridge too far. I, I don't think it's going to be a scenario where Ryan Day is going to be here until Urban leaves and then take over for him. But, like, if Urban leaves in five years – 
and Ryan Day is wherever Ryan Day is, um, it wouldn't surprise me if he's the guy they target. But I don't, I don't think it's going to be like a st- be here and be my heir, and then when I'm done, you step up. No, I think Ryan Day will be a head coach in the next two years. Yeah, yeah. Considering the attention he has, it'd be it almost be a surprise if he wasn't a head coach somewhere, even by next season, or or an NFL offensive coordinator. You know, yeah. just because. He turned down this one or whatever, but I think he's he's in the finishing school right now. He's for sure. He's mm-hmm. he's you know getting shot. And I up. wonder if that like it'd be interesting to talk to him about it. And I don't, maybe he wouldn't want to talk to him talk about it, but I would want to know like if he was truly offered a Mississippi State job, if part of him said no because he just wasn't ready. Yeah, I think and that's very possible. Because even like Joe Moorhead, who took that, had been a head coach before right. at a much lower level. But there's just a lot of things that go into that. And, I, you know, all these guys, they make little binders of how to do stuff. But I think, like, maybe he didn't learn everything yet uh, that he wants to learn about running a program. Um, Alan Kitchen, our guy, a Kitchen 87. Do you guys have a sense of whether Ryan Day's ultimate aspirations are college head coach or NFL head coach? I think that's an, always an interesting thing. Um, and I, I certainly have no sense. It would be a guess. Do you guys have any guess or sense? I don't have, I don't have a sense. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't I, – I, it would just be a total guess. But he does strike me as a guy with like a – I don't know. I was going to say he strikes me as a guy with like more of like an NFL-style personality because he's not like – frankly, when he talks with us like in group settings – he doesn't like seem super enthusiastic about doing it. Yeah, um, but he's pretty good on the side talking about ball. Yeah, and like, I don't know. Like that doesn't. I guess that doesn't mean anything whether they want to be a well, college coach he, or an NFL he, coach. Tom, Tom Herman was much zingier. Yeah, Tom Herman yeah. was much more like a win the press conference, glad hand boosters kind of personality from day one yeah. at Ohio State, which is not the end all be all evaluation. But the hard thing is, I think like Ryan Day's background is college, and then he just followed Chip to the NFL. Yeah, that's why he's an NFL guy, is because Chip Kelly was like, "Hey, I'm going to the NFL. You want to come?" He's like, "Okay." So he went to the Eagles for two years, and then the 49ers for a year. But other than that, I think he was at the Eagles for one year and 49ers for one year. Oh, okay. Yeah. But he was, you know, he was at Boston College. He was at he was at Florida at one point. I mean, like he's New Hampshire. Yeah. He's been working his way up as a college guy. So I think I think he's. Like his resume is a college resume, but I think he he maybe is more of an NFL. Let's like scheme up some stuff and and try to ball out rather than like let's go recruit twelve five stars and try to win. You know? Yeah, and it's hard. I think it's still a little hard to get a feel for him as a recruiter because he came here and they already had Emory Jones. Emory Jones was really his guy, and then but he went out and found Matt Baldwin. Um, yeah, Matt Baldwin's his guy all the way, right? Yeah, so I think it's interesting that he went for that type of player. I think it's interesting that he like did a little digging to find that guy. So, um, yeah, it's possible. Maybe he is super into recruiting. We just can't, can't get a vibe for it. But I, if I had to guess, it would be total guess. I would guess more NFL. I also want to give out a shout-out to Eric Boggs at Buckeye Boggs, who was wondering about the co as well. Oh, yeah. Got the co removed from his coordinator title. What does this mean for Wilson and the offense? I mean, it's just that co is a very weird thing. So. Do you think, uh, like a lot of teams do this, like run game coordinator, pass game coordinator. Maybe that's not their straight titles, but you think that's what we're heading towards? Like Wilson would call the run plays and Dave would call the pass. No, no, not, not call. Like the play caller is the play caller, but like coordinating is more than just calling the plays on the day of the game. I think people know that. You're putting together the game plan. Um, 
but a lot of teams had like I think Michigan had yeah. like like Pep Hamilton was passing game coordinator. Yeah. Um, and it's not it's a thing that's coming becoming more and more common, and I think that would be a very natural breakdown for Day and Wilson. That Kevin Wilson and, and I think like that may be how it is. They just don't break it up that way. Yeah. But like if Kevin Wilson's saying, I like these kind of run plays. I like this. You know, we're going to block it up this way. Here's how I think we should attack them in the run game this week. I'm going to give you, Ryan Day, I'm bringing these plays to the table this week. And Ryan Day's saying, oh, I think this is going to work in the past game. This is going to work. But Ryan Day then as the coordinator isn't digging around trying to figure out whether they should run power or counters or whatever in the run game. He trusts Kevin Wilson to break that down. Yeah, And I I, I think that's that's possibly very logical. Um, and then it's just a matter. So when he's going to a run play on second and four, he's going to a list of run plays for that week that Kevin Wilson gave him. Yeah, and I think there's there's a lot of there's collaboration in that way. But then too, like if they're going to keep doing this RPO stuff, which I have every reason to believe they will, like then you have to know, like Kevin Wilson likes this run, but then Ryan Day has to say, okay, well then what's the relief pass play we're running off of this thing in case the run? Like if, I think there's the titles have changed and it's weird. And I get why it would lead people to think there's friction. Um, but I actually think it could end up being even more collaborative than it was last year, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I, I get the sense that Wilson and Day, you know, their their philosophies blend well because, like you said, Wilson's run-oriented and Day comes from a passing background. Yeah. <sighs> I don't have any more. We, I, all of my Ryan Day questions I think we hit on. In one way or another. Okay. Um, okay. This is my, uh, this is like a borderline relative of mine asking about. Uh, Robots? No. Alan Keller. What's up, Alan? Asking, he has some, he has some podcast issues. He said he listened to it on Podcast Addict on the Android platform. Yeah, I don't know. Like, people have sent me the names of platforms they use. I I don't upload the podcast to those, so I have no idea how they get there. Yeah. I don't, yeah. So I think they get pulled from the Google Play Store. Yeah. We'll keep working on it, though. We are acknowledging. Thank you, Alan. Hope all is well. As you're listening to this, though, there should be no change. Yeah. It should just be business as as usual. Yeah. So you're listening to this because this we also are putting on SoundCloud. Yeah. And And Pinecast. Yeah. All right. Um, oh, he manually re- reloaded and it came through. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I talked to that guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a relative of yours. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. On Katie's side. Um, Ross Crawford. Wait, we have to have one wild question as it relates to Ryan Day before we go. Oh yeah. At Mofro, <laughs> which is as good of a name as uh, Cluster Truck. Delicious tots. At Mofro OSU eighty one. With Day possibly calling plays in his background with Chip Kelly, does this open the drawbridge for House Martell? <laughs> I, love, uh, I love the phrasing in that question, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't think it actually changes anything. I stand by what I said earlier that uh, Haskins is the starter, and that's not a unique opinion. But Tate Martell has a role, um, and that think that would have been true either way. I, mean, I think. The only way that wouldn't have been true is if they lost Ryan Day and brought in a completely different quarterbacks coach. Oh, I want to, so I want to do two things before we get off Ryan Day. I want to talk the worst case scenario, then I want us to hit the list because yeah, people want the list. Yeah, we did a list of the twelve candidates to replace Ryan Day because we like to be prepared. Um, 
And we didn't publish it because they're not replacing Ryan Day. But we will give it to you, our Buckeye I almost, Talk listeners. I almost accidentally published it. For real? On purpose, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we will give you this list of 12 people, just like Cluster Truck gives you delicious hot food uh, on your doorstep and tater tots. So Here's the scenario before we get to the list. Okay. How bad would it have been if Ryan Day had left? If Ohio State right now, today... We were talking about, here's our list of 12 candidates. They've got to get a new quarterback's coach. They are now entering a quarterback competition with a new quarterback's coach. And because we had also talked about the column to write off of that, which is last time they had to replace their quarterback's coach, they did it in in the midst of a quarterback competition. It was a cluster truck. (laughs) Tim Beck stepping in to the Cardale Jones-JT Barrett quarterback battle in 2015 was chaos. Tim Beck like showed up and was like, hey, look, Tim Beck's here. The first interview that we had with him was like, oh, what do you think of that battle? And he's like, I, I don't know. I guess it's not my decision. And it's like, yeah, you only coach the position. But he like extracted himself from – and it just left it to Urban. It just left it to Urban. And I'll be honest, this is just what I think. I think if Tom Herman had still been the quarterback's coach that year and he had not left, I think JT Barrett would have been the starting quarterback. Yeah. So. I think at the very least, a decision would have been made sooner. You need, I mean, Urban has a million things to do. Urban really does lean, like when we ask about, hey, what about the receiver rotation? Why is this? He leans on Zach Smith to do that. So obviously the head coach has final say, but he really leans on his position coaches to decide within that group, who are your best players? Who should play? How should they play? What's your plan? He does not micromanage, hey, Larry Johnson, I think you need to get B.B. Landers in the game more. Now, of course, there's discussion, but that's what position coaches are for. To have thrown a brand new position coach into Dwayne Haskins, Tate Martell, Joe Burrow, and Matthew Baldwin, what would that have meant for Ohio State? Uh, wouldn't it have been great? I don't, it depends on, like, I think Urban hired Tim Beck with recruiting in mind more than he did with coordinating and coaching, quarterback coaching in mind, which was a mistake. Um, so if he went out and, like, actually got a guy who was a good developer of quarterbacks, I don't think it would have been as a cluster as it was last time because no one had any clue who the starting quarterback was going to be in 2015. Like, it's pretty clear who the starting quarterback is going to be in 2018. So it's not that much of a competition. Or at least not as yeah, it's not nearly as much of a competition as it was last time. So I think continuity is important, um, and I think Ryan Day is a really good coach. So I'm not going to pretend like it wouldn't have been a big loss, but I don't think it would have been Beck level. <laughs> Beck level midnight. Yeah, Tim. Um, it would have been difficult, obviously. You know, for Haskins, I think in particular, it would have been his third quarterback coach in three years. I mean, he had Beck when he came in day last season, who seemed like obviously. Like I mentioned earlier, Haskins and Martell were both excited that they come back. Three in three years could have been could be could have been really detrimental to quarterback growth. Could have really messed up different things that he was improving with. Same thing with Martell, because we don't we obviously don't know what things they're working on behind the scenes to really help those guys. And throwing a new quarterback coach in the mix with an established offensive staff, particularly Kevin Wilson, who up until yesterday was the offensive coordinator, you're throwing a wrench into the truck of the Ohio State offense. Mm. Mm. And 
it would it would have been a cluster. Exactly. <laughs> yes. I think that's a good point to make about getting like the guys that in a position like both Cardell and JT were worse in 2015. Yeah. Because they were used to Tom Herman and then they got backed. Yeah. God. You don't want to get backed. <laughs> uh, it would have been a disaster. Okay, go to the list. Okay. This is the list that Bill and I compiled. Twelve names. Twelve names, like, kind of in order of, like, what makes the most sense. And, like, it's not a joke list. Like, it's a real list. It's a real list. Now, but it doesn't... The last one's kind of a joke. Yeah, but it doesn't <laughs> mean... I mean, you know, we're not making the higher, so there's some entertainment value here. But we're trying to think like Urban Meyer. But we don't make $6.5 million a year, so our list's not as good as his. So just relax. But you want to hear the list? Here's the list. Tim Beck's not on it. Tim Beck's uh, So the first name on the list was Kevin Wilson, who coached quarterbacks at Northwestern and Miami, Ohio. Um, and that was like a pure like continuity thing. Like You're going to have to bring in somebody new, but let's let the guy who's been here for a year with these quarterbacks coach the quarterbacks instead of fake coaching the tight ends and still be the offensive coordinator. Because we have also discovered that Kevin Wilson fake coaches the tight ends. Yeah. Because Tim Hinton, who was the tight ends coach before he got demoted when they had to shuffle stuff around, when they hired Greg Strudrawa and didn't want Ed Warner to coach the offensive line and be the play caller anymore. Because when they did that in 2015, it was a cluster truck and they wanted to fix that. So the only way they fix that is by taking Tim Hinton off the coaching staff and making him like a staffer that he's like a recruiting assistant, whatever. Yeah. But then we saw a video that they put out that Tim Hinton was giving a speech at halftime of the Penn State game, which is not normally a thing that recruiting staffers do. And also before the Cotton Bowl, when all the players were in their suits on the field meeting with position groups, the guy meeting with the tight ends wasn't Kevin Wilson. It was Tim Hinton. So we think Tim Hinton is secretly coaching the tight ends, which like he's not allowed to do. And so we're not saying like he is doing it. We're saying we think he's doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so the idea of Ryan Day leaves, you just make Kevin Wilson instead of being the fake tight ends coach. Now you're the real quarterbacks coach. You're the primary offensive coordinator. You're the, probably the only offensive coordinator. Yeah. You're the play caller, the quarterback's coach, and the offensive coordinator. And then how do you fill Kevin Wilson's spot? You put T- Tim Hinton back on the staff as the tight ends coach, which is what he was before. That, in the end, was our number one likely scenario from the standpoint of this is a late move and you want continuity for that quarterback competition. This is not a time necessarily to make a fancy hire. So I think yeah. that we thought that might have been a very realistic scenario. Yeah. Also, the least splashy thing they could have done, which would have been boring. So thankfully it didn't happen. Number two on our list was Mike Loxley, who is the new offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Alabama. He was the, I think he was the co-OC and receivers coach last year. And then Brian Dable left to go to Buffalo Bills. Yep. Um, so Loxley stepped in and is now the OC and quarterbacks coach at Alabama. He's the former offensive coordinator at Maryland. And the reason he's on this list is because of his relationship with Dwayne Haskins and urban Meyer. I think it was in the lead up to the cotton bowl, or maybe it was before that. I think like strongly hinted that if DJ Durkin took over the Maryland job and it was clear that he was not going to retain Mike Loxley and urban hinted that if, Maryland had retained Mike Loxley. It's possible they could have kept Dwayne Haskins. That's how tight that relationship was. Um, and I think Urban likes Mike Loxley. Yeah, I think he does too. So he was not like when they when they hired Ryan Day. We had Mike Loxley on the list too. 
because I think Urban does like him. Yeah. So, but this was all like bringing in a coordinator and position coach who was already familiar with a guy who's most likely going to be your starter, who, by the way, is also a pretty good coach and has had some, you know, minor success being a coordinator um, at other places. And he's also from Washington, D.C., which gives them a, a good recruiter in an area that's important to them. Now, the issue there is that. He's the offensive coordinator of the national champion. He just got he made just Alabama's got, yeah. offensive coordinator like a week ago. So are you going to steal Nick Saban? It's a lateral move for him. If if Dayball had stayed at Alabama, it would have been a promotion for him to yeah. come be Ohio State's quarterbacks coach and co-offensive coordinator. This would not have been a promotion. So we really liked that name. And I didn't necessarily realize when we started putting the list together that he had become Alabama's offensive coordinator. If he had not gotten the promotion at Bama – he would have been number one on my list. Yeah. Given that he got the promotion at Bama, that would have been very hard to pull off, I think. Yeah. Tim, check in very quickly. What do you think the, are the first two on that list of our of the possibilities? Did, did, did you like those two? Uh, I mean, Kevin Wilson obviously makes sense for continuity purposes. Loxley is an interesting name. I wouldn't think he wouldn't leave Alabama, but given the pedigree, being the OC of Maryland. Also, but I remember, he was also the offensive coordinator of Illinois when they made that surprise run to the Rose Bowl in 2007. With Juice Williams, uh, Richard Mendenhall, they upset Ohio. They upset number one Ohio State in Columbus. That was Mike Lockley's offense, I believe, that did that. And I think they got some. They got like a couple different really good players from the DC area at Illinois that Mike Loxley really helped prop up their recruiting when he was there too. He's really good. good. He's good. Yeah, he's he was a bad head coach. Things did not go well for him as a head coach. He's a really good assistant. And it probably would be a good head coach if he got another shot. Yeah, which is why, but that was part of my thinking that even if he had just gotten promoted, that he would want to come to Urban Meyer Finishing School. Yeah. Um, okay, number three on the list was Mike Yersich, and I think I'm pronouncing that right. He's the Oklahoma State offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. There's a couple things at play here. One is that he is from Ohio. He's from Euclid. I think he's in the Euclid High School Hall of Fame. Um, his offenses at Oklahoma State have been really good. And um, if I can give a Pennsylvania shout-out. So Mike Yersich got hired from Shippensburg University. He was the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Shippensburg University. Before that, he was at Edinburgh. Those are two Division II schools in Pennsylvania. And he had his quarterback at Shippensburg, won the Harlan Hill Trophy, which is Division II Heisman. Um, So he was really good. And and Mike Gundy, I thought, made a very sort of shrewd hire going to find him at the Division II level and bringing him. He's been there since 2013 at Oklahoma State, and their offenses have been great. Um, and I, there is some connection between Ohio State and Oklahoma State. I don't know what it is or who it's through, but I think some of the things you saw Ohio State do offensively this year came from Oklahoma State. I don't know if that's a Kevin Wilson thing. I don't know if Urban knows Yersich and that's the connection, but there's there's something going on there. Um, so it's just beyond him being from Ohio that I think it would have made a lot of sense to bring him in and let him coach the quarterbacks. And then he is another guy who I think is on the head coaching path and it would have made sense for him to leave Oklahoma State, come here, be a coordinator for a year or two, and then go be a head coach. I think if they had made a hire and not just done the Wilson thing we said, I think he would have been the guy. Yeah. he was. I get excited when we're putting these lists together, and then I discovered that he was from – I probably should have known he was from Ohio, but I didn't know that. I was like, no, because oh, yeah, we – I remember we did something on him a couple years ago. Something – I don't know what it was. But there was something where I knew that he would have the Euclid connection and that he he's on the radar of like good coaches from Ohio. So he was – sorry, go ahead, Tim. I was just saying, you mentioned the Ohio connection. We've already had one instance this offseason where Ohio State hired a coach from – There it is. Grinchy-poo! Well, no, there's there's a connection there. I mean, the, it matters. The, the Ohio matters. connection, I think, is always important, not just over Meyer, but just in general. I mean, 
Mike Yurcich probably uh, obviously not coming to Ohio State, but the Euclid connect there's the connection of being in Euclid. I think matters. I that played a role, I'm sure, in Alex Grinch, the Grove City native, coming to Ohio State. There was a thing I wrote a story last year about what Luke Fickle leaving means. They don't have an Ohio State former Ohio State player on the coaching staff for like the first time in a hundred years. Um, and part of the reason that Urban and other people said it wasn't that concerning is because there are assistant coaches who are from Ohio, and though they didn't play at Ohio State, like understand all the things around Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, when they had that, they had the staff early on. I think when it was, I don't know, was it like eight of nine, or was it was there a moment when all nine assistants were from Ohio? Like they have played that up, the Ohio roots. The only the one staff. who wasn't was I know Herman because Herman was born in Ohio, right? Yeah, he was like from born yeah. in Cincinnati. I think he might be right. So, yeah, so they love that stuff. And it does, it matters to Urban and Ohio State, and I think it matters to the people. Lots of people in lots of walks of life, like, end up trying to get a job near home if they get a chance to. So, yeah. Okay, we'll move a little quicker through the list, because those were... Through the fake list, it doesn't Wilson, matter. Wilson made the most <laughs> sense, and I thought Loxley and Yersick were the two most interesting. Next on the list was Scott Leffler. That's how you say it, right? Yeah. Leffler. Yeah. Boston College offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Used to work with Urban at Florida. He was the quarterbacks coach at Florida from 2009 to 2010. Um, so it's him like a, shaking his head no. No, I, I, I wouldn't have hired him. I think the Why are you thing, shaking your head no? I get everything I've seen of Leffler, you know, I've, having a chance is like someone who's watched a lot of college football for years. Leffler's <laughs> offenses seem like it would be a similar kind of Tim Beck kind of style. I agree. Um, and I think it is telling that Urban has had to hire quarterback coaches before and Scott Leffler's name has never come up. Yeah. And there's a very obvious connection between the two. Yeah. Um, okay, next on the list is Brett. But he's at Boston College right now with Adazio, yes. which is one of Urban's guys, which is why yeah. you're going to see on this list a lot of what we were looking at is Urban's guys, like other head coaches who have worked with Urban and Urban stealing from them. Yeah. Next guy on the list is Brett Elliott, who was the quarterback's coach at Mississippi State last year under Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen is one of Urban Meyer's best friends, was his coordinator at Bowling, Florida. Bowling Green in yeah. Utah and, and Florida. Florida. Yeah. So, Brett Elliott's background is he was he was on Utah's roster when Urban and Dan Mullen went there. And I think was the starter and got hurt. Alex Smith took over the starting job, and that was the end of that. Um, and then he transferred in Urban's second year. Um, but apparently he has a relationship with Mullen because Mullen hired him to be the quarterback's coach. Um, but then when Mullen moved to Florida, he did not take Brett Elliott with him to be the quarterback's coach in Florida. So, Brett Elliott is like a free agent and has a connection to Mullen, who has a connection to Meyer, is like, familiar with what they like to do offensively and at the quarterback position. Um, Elliott did coach at James Madison and at Texas State under head coach Everett Withers, former Ohio State assistant. So there are some connections there. But, again, I thought Mullen not taking him to Florida was also telling that it would be kind of a reach maybe for Urban to go take him too. But, again, like a hire like that would be a, a QB coach, not a coordinator. I correct, think. correct. Next on the list is Brian Johnson, who is Florida's quarterback coach who Mullen hired at Florida when he took over there. He's going to be Emory Jones' position coach. Uh, Johnson was recruited by Meyer and Mullen at Utah. He played for them for one year in 2005. He was the backup to Alex Smith, and then Urban and Mullen and everyone other than Kyle Whittingham, I think, left to go to Florida. Um, he's from Texas. I think that's important for the recruiting ties. He's really young. He's 30 years old. He's 30 years old and has been the quarterback's coach at Mississippi State, the quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator at Houston, and he's now the quarterback's coach at Florida. He was also quarterback's coach and coordinator at Utah. That's a lot for a guy who's 30 years old to have on his resume. He's a very fast riser. Um, he fits like the up-and-comer thing, like Tom Herman kind of deal that they had before, even Ryan Day. He's just a lot younger than all those guys. So I think it's a young, really young, like crazy young, 
guy to add to your staff and I thought would have been an interesting person to look at. Now, it would have meant stealing him from Florida before he even, like, coached the game there. But I don't think that's out of the question if the money's right. And by the way, Ohio State's assistant coaching staff is too white. Yeah. So you don't hire on that, but you have to be aware of that. That matters. It's important. You have to be open to that. And guys like Mike Loxley and Brian Johnson would have helped diversify the staff. And mm-hmm. they could use some diversification. They could. Next on the list is a guy who I found. His name is Kenny Dillingham. He's the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Memphis. Um, he was on a lot of like top 30 under 30 and top 35 under 35 lists, which is why I put him on here, just because he's a, a young coach who has like a growing profile. Um, he did a good job with uh, Riley Ferguson at Memphis last year. This was going to be his first year as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Um, he's got a good recruiting reputation, and he is f- – I don't know if he's from Arizona, but he has ties to Arizona, and he was actually – the offensive coordinator at a high school in Scottsdale where Ohio State's top 2020 quarterback prospect currently plays. Now, he didn't coach him, but there are ties there that I thought could have been interesting and come into play if Ohio State, Jack Miller is the quarterback prospect, and there's there's some loose ties between Jack Miller and Kenny Dillingham, which I thought were interesting. Good name. Good name. Next is T. Martin, USC offensive coordinator, super famous quarterback at Tennessee. Yep. Um, from the South. He's from Alabama, played at Tennessee. I think he would have brought some interesting recruiting connections because Ohio State does not have a coach from the South, I don't think. They recruit a lot down there, but I don't think they have anyone who's actually from there. Okay. Um, And then he's like a big – he's a big – this would have been like – and it's not really what Urban's done in his past hiring people here other than – no, not even Chris Asher. This is like a big name. You go steal a big name from a big program. Yep. Um and the thinking why T. Martin would do it is, again, he wants to be a head coach and you want to come learn on the Urban for a year. And, by the way, he's USC's receivers coach. He's the offensive coordinator and receivers coach. He's not the quarterback's coach at yeah. USC. He did not coach Sam Darnold. Um, he was very interested in the Tennessee job. Did not happen. He also got interviewed for the Oakland Raiders job, but I think that was just like a Rooney Rule thing. And he, um, I just got the sense from talking to him at the Cotton Bowl, I talked to him a lot in group settings, but I talked to him a lot about Sam Darnold and the USC offense. He just seems a little restless. I think he's ready for something new. Um, I think he, like, again, something new, coach quarterbacks, Urban Meyer finishing school, I think he would have been all, all for something like that. Yeah. Next on the list is Sterling Gilbert, who is the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at South Florida. He was at Texas with Charlie Strong and like went down with Charlie Strong. But before that was maybe the hottest offensive coordinator name in the country. Wasn't he at Baylor? Or among or them? Where, yeah, he's got he's yeah. Didn't Charlie Strong hire didn't Charlie Strong hire like the two co-coordinators from Baylor the one year to like try to save himself and completely change the offense and it didn't work. But he was a hot name. No, he was at Tulsa. Okay, he might have hired the two Tulsa coordinators. Um, but he also, like, but yeah. he, he coached Jimmy Garoppolo at Eastern Illinois. There was, like, there was a time where it was, like, Lincoln Riley and Sterling Gilbert, like, two Big 12 coordinators who, like, anyone in the country would have cut their arm off to have come coach on their staff. Yeah. And then Lincoln Riley became the head coach of Oklahoma, and Sterling Gilbert has, like, cooled off significantly because Texas sucked while he and Charlie Strong were there. They were good last year at, at South Florida. They had a number six offense in the country. And this, in my thinking, was just like interesting name, a guy I think people forgot about a little bit, but could be looking to resurrect his career. And certainly it's easier to do that at Ohio State than it is in South Florida. I like it. Uh, next is Kenny Guyton. Whoop! Mm-hmm. Receivers coach at Houston, former Ohio State quarterback, obviously. Um, 
kind of an interesting name. He's never been a coordinator. He's never been a quarterback's coach. He's only been a professional coach for two years. He was a grad assistant before that. Um, but Meyer likes him. He obviously knows what Meyer wants out of his quarterback, so I thought it was an interesting name. Smart, young, good recruiter, knows how to play quarterback at Ohio State. Like, would have been crazy. Yeah. But you know what? Sometimes crazy's good. I don't know. Like He's from Houston, too, which it, like it's good to... Like, it wouldn't have happened. But you know what? It's not 100% crazy. The next name is 100% crazy. No, there's one in between. The one in between. But I don't think it's crazy. If, if Kevin Wilson is offensive coordinator yeah. and Kenny Guyton is just quarterback's coach, I don't think it's crazy. I think he'd be good at it. I think there is a time when Kenny Guyton will be the Ohio State quarterback's coach. Uh, next on the list is Bryson Spinner, who is Dwayne Haskins' personal quarterback's coach. He was also on the list the last time we did this when they hired Ryan Day. Has no college coaching experience, has no recruiting experience. He just knows Dwayne Haskins. And Urban Meyer like was oddly fond of him when they signed Dwayne Haskins. So like invited Bryson Spinner to come coach at a camp, said that he like stole drills from Bryson Spinner to to teach Ohio State quarterbacks to teach co- uh, quarterbacks who were at their camps. Um so Urban likes him a lot. I have no idea if Bryson Ari actually no, Ari wrote a big, a big story about him a couple years ago. And Bryson Spinner said, like, if Urban Meyer wants to hire me, of course I'll take the job. It's just, like, it's pretty risky to hire someone who has, like, no college experience, no recruiting experience, like, doesn't know the compliance rules. Um, But I thought it was an interesting name. And, like, I think you felt like Urban Meyer wasn't just saying nice things about him to, like, get Dwayne Haskins. Like, I felt like he was, was like, really, like, man, this guy's, like, really smart. And you know what? Like, good high school coaches get hired at colleges all the time. That's Mm -hmm. how it works. So, you know. Crazier things. He's not a high school coach. He's like a personal trainer. He's like, um, but he works with high school kids, right? What's the guy's name? The the guy who scams everybody out of the money and George Whitfield. Teams. George Whitfield. Yeah, he's George Whitfield, but good. Um, now the crazy name, J T Barrett. <laughs> Explain, Doug. <laughs> J T Barrett. I don't know if you guys know. Uh, played a lot of quarterback at Ohio State. Says he doesn't want to be a coach. He's not going to be an NFL quarterback. Because he threw one touchdown in the Shrine game and then was like 6 of 40. What was he at the Shrine game, Tim? He was like 5 for 12, I think. Okay. Although one of them wasn't on him in fairness. One of them was a terrible drop by Penn State's Deshaun Hamilton. Terrible. I mean, it's just one of the things. He won a leadership award there. It's like a lot of good stories about the way he led at the Shrine game, which is like, yeah. Yeah. He's great at that. Doesn't have an NFL arm. So, like, it's just like, you know what? But... He loves like Urban loves him, and it's, it's Tebow and JT on the on the on the top level of guys Urban Meyer loves. So, like you don't think JT Barrett could do it? Like you don't think JT Barrett could get Dwayne Haskins? Could run Dwayne Haskins through drills? Could help him be a better player? Could get Dwayne Haskins in the right headspace to be the starting quarterback at Ohio State? Like you don't think he could do it? No, I think he could do it. It's just like the idea of JT Barrett like deciding who succeeds him is hilarious to me. <laughs> yeah. You think JT Barrett could recruit? You think JT Barrett could go in a living room with a mom and a dad? Solo eyes, And yes, sir, and no, sir, them, and talk about his experience as a Buckeye and why he chose to come to Ohio State and why the Ohio State is the right place for their son? Hire him, Urban. <laughs> the, the, the dynamic, though, of hiring a guy as soon as he leaves your team 
would be just so bizarre, though, I would think. that's what, I, I'm assuming that's the number one reason why you put it in the impossible will never happen category. you got to let it breathe a little bit. You can't just, like, JT's gone. Like, And I think there's some fun, like, finally, JT's gone. New quarterback. Let's usher this but, thing into a new era. But the, like, only, the only thing that anybody didn't like about JT Parrott was when he played. <laughs> yeah. Everybody loved every single aspect of him that involved everything that wasn't throwing the football in the game. Sure. So you get all the best of JT Barrett, and then you put Dwayne Haskins out there <laughs> and tell him to chuck it. It's the best of both worlds. I'm just trying to envision that meeting now with Dwayne Haskins, Tay Martell, Joe Burrow, and Urban Meyer when, J- when they're like, guys... Ryan Day, this is the alternate universe of Ryan Day goes to the Titans. We've hired a new quarterback, coach, come on in, and then all of a sudden you see JT Barrett with like a whistle around his neck and a full uniform. <laughs> what does JT Barrett call him? What are his names? Oh, JT Barrett walks in the room like they're looking toward the front of the room and they and Urban says, Here's your new quarterback's coach. And from the back of the room, they don't even turn around, they hear, What's up, Ross? Yeah. Because which JT Barrett's called Dwayne Haskins Ross for like three years, right? Isn't that his name for JT for Dwayne Haskins? Ross? Dwayne is Ross. Uh, I think Joe is, is. Is Joe John? I Joe is Joe John is. and Tate is Chuck. Yeah. Yeah. Ross, John, Chuck. And they'd be like, what? <laughs> They're like, oh, jeez, not again. But, like, do you think they'd hate it? Yes. Really? I, yeah. it'd, be an, it'd be an awkward dynamic going from JT Barrett being a guy you competed against to all of a sudden but they didn't he's compete. coaching you. But they think he, you don't think he already coached him? JT Barrett coached them all year. I think all those guys love JT. I think they are happy to exist without him. And bringing him back in, I think, would be problematic. Well, the biggest difference bringing him back in is JT Barrett would be paid this time around. Make it happen. Make it happen, Urban. I want Ryan Day fired now. (laughs) JT Barrett for Ohio State quarterbacks coach. I'm going to do a Twitter poll on this. The idea of JT Barrett as Ohio State's quarterbacks coach right now, is it ludicrous, reasonable, or make it happen? <clears throat> Enjoy being on Deadspin. Yeah. Um, all right. That was the list. That's the list. <laughs> Let's talk offensive line. Okay. We're breaking down the position groups. Wednesday morning, I put up a projected depth chart of the offensive line. We're going to do that with all the position groups. Um, That's the first one we put on the site. We've talked about receivers and running backs. We haven't done it on the site yet. On Cleveland.com, go read that. And we're going to do some stories with most, if not all, of the position groups about a guy in that group that's an interesting part of it. For the offensive line, it was Thayer Munford. I talked to him after the Cotton Bowl. He talked a lot about like people doubting him. He had kind of a weird path in high school. He was at Cincinnati LaSalle. Then his coach went to Maslin. Then he followed his coach to Maslin. He had grade problems. Um, yeah. His coach ended up being like his legal custodian. Uh, he was, he was then ruled ineligible as a result of that because the OHSAA thought he was recruited to Maslin. Then I think he got to play a couple games at the end of his senior year. He got a late offer from Ohio State. Committed on signing day last year, was in that offensive line cast much less heralded than Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis, but Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis redshirted, and Thayer Munford jumped on the two deep as a true freshman, was the real backup right tackle. Isaiah Prince had to go out for a couple snaps in the Michigan game. Thayer Munford went in, 
People praised him all year. Coaches and teammates, what a good job he was doing in practice. He was the number one name we heard from guys in bowl prep about it. Um, I really like talking to Thayer Munford. He seems like a really genuine, hardworking guy who, like, I don't like the I'm going to prove the doubters wrong story angle, but, like, this he, this guy did have a lot of doubters. It's like, what is going on? He's ineligible. He's changing schools. His grades are a mess. Is he going to be able to even get into Ohio State? He had to get his ACT score up. Then it was sort of like, whatever. He's like ranked in the two or three hundreds. Only The only two guys in, in that recruiting class for Ohio State ranked lower than him were the kicker, Blake Hawbeal, and Elijah Gardner, who was a last-second grab as a receiver out of Texas. This guy was almost an afterthought, but I think somebody, I think Stadrawa or somebody on that staff fought for him that they ended up taking him late, and then look what he did. Yeah. So let's talk about this group, and let's start with that. We ended up projecting him as the starting right tackle. I said, I think the Brandon Bowen, Thayer Munford right tackle competition will be maybe the most interesting battle on that team because also we are projecting the move of Isaiah Prince from right tackle, where he has started the past two seasons, to left tackle, which is a reasonable projection. We don't. There's a lot of other things they could do. There are a lot of guys on this team who could play left tackle. Um, Michael Jordan, I think, could play left tackle. Brandon Bowen could play left tackle. But the idea of moving your right starting right tackle to left tackle, they did that with Taylor Decker. Mm-hmm. It's not a crazy idea. So let's talk about Munford and Bowen at right tackle first. Then we'll work our way across the line the other direction and end up with Isaiah Prince. What Tim, what do you think? If Prince is not the right tackle, would you lean Bowen or would you lean Munford? for the right tackle job, or somebody else. I would go Munford. I feel like, given the situations he stepped into as a true freshman, you know, stepping in at Michigan, considering everything that a rivalry is, and playing as well as he did, was a tremendous testament to him. And he's a guy who I was actually at his signing day thing at Maslin a year ago. Seemed like a kid who is is your prototypical, give me a chance, Ohio State, and I will prove you right kind of kid. And he ended up proving... Much better. I mean, to be a freshman and to to be thrown into that situation in Ann Arbor and to shine says a lot about him. And now I think it's given that experience, I think he's got an in to getting it, getting that right tackle job. And Brandon Bowen, he'll be coming off that leg injury, that broken leg he suffered, I believe it was against Maryland. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I think Munford will win that job. But Bowen, I think, will also be that sixth lineman that you guys always talk about. Now, Bowen won a job last year. Bowen's already gone through the process of winning a starting job. I initially leaned toward him as a starting right tackle because he's a starter. Yeah. But the idea of the the recovery from the broken leg, um, you think you give the edge to Munford too, right? Yeah, I think we don't have an update on Brandon Bowen, but my assumption is that he won't be able to practice in the spring. He broke his leg and had surgery. Um. So that means that in my mind means Thayer Munford will be the starting right tackle in spring, and then he'll just have a leg up. It doesn't mean he'll have a lockdown coming out of spring because I think there will be a competition in the summer. Um, but I would just have him in the lead. What is it? Just say it, Tim. Just came, just came out according to Pete Thamel reporting that Kerry Combs is heading to the Tennessee Titans to join Mike Vrabel's staff. Really? Just came across on Twitter. So day sticking around. Combs looks like he's heading to the NFL. That fascinates me. I'm blown away by that. That fascinates me. Kerry Combs 
is such an Ohio guy. We'll get back to the offensive line in a second. But we're putting this podcast up today, so this is this is hot breaking news. Tim's getting the story up. Kerry Combs is an Ohio guy through and through. Was a high school coach in Cincinnati, then was a college coach at Cincinnati, then came to Ohio State. He has a bunch of grandkids. His whole family's in Ohio. It's very important for him to be uh, an Ohio guy. I thought he would be a very good candidate someday for a Mac head coaching job. Not necessarily it have to be in Ohio, but he, I'm very surprised by this because I just thought he has it really good here. He has it really good here. But this is something – now this is just we – here we are. We're talking about staff change. We were going to talk about Greg Schiano. Could Greg Schiano leave for the NFL? Then we talked about Ryan Day for so long we just skipped Greg Schiano. This is very surprising to me, but if you'll remember – when Luke Fickle went to Cincinnati, there was a lot of rumor or chatter about would Kerry Combs go to Cincinnati with Luke Fickle to be the defensive coordinator at Cincinnati. And then he did not go, and they said he's going to get a promotion or something. But then, like, his promotion was not that big of a promotion. Because, as you wow. said, they did not co him. They gave him was pretty, I think they gave him a $100,000 raise. So, so maybe Kerry Combs had some feeling of like, listen, man, like maybe I, I should be making more. I should be getting a better title because I think you certainly could argue um, that Kerry Combs has done as good a job as any Ohio State assistant in the Urban Meyer era. And by the way, this now lends the idea of what's up with Grinch? Maybe there was some idea that Kerry Combs was looking around. Maybe this didn't come out of nowhere because Alex Grinch is a secondary coach and they just lost their cornerbacks coach who has turned the position that he coaches into an absolute NFL pipeline. Not just an NFL pipeline, but a first-round NFL pipeline. The best NFL pipeline going at the moment in terms of cornerbacks. It's that close. He is an energetic force on that staff. He is an energetic difference maker as a recruiter. He obviously is exceptional in developing talent and creating relationships with his guys because that room, that cornerback's room, has been as dynamic and productive as any room on this team, and Kerry Combs is leaving. I'm, like, blown away by this because we talked about the Ryan Day. Is he an NFL? Is he a college guy? Kerry Combs always read to me like a college guy. Kerry Combs is like a high school guy who decided to go to college. And now... He's going to go to the NFL? Yeah. Like, but, this is... Listen, man, but there's a lot of guys... People want challenges in life. Yeah. And Kerry Combs... What if Kerry... I mean... I think it's easy... And I think it might... I think it's easy to read Kerry Combs. Like, man, this guy was a high school head coach. Won state titles. Was super successful. Decided, like, almost like in retirement. You know, like, his kids grew up... Um, I think he raised his kids as a high school coach so he could be at home and wasn't out recruiting and all that stuff, right? His kids grew up, became adults, and I think like it's like now he's he and his wife, it's like, well, let's make this decision. We're going to go to the college ranks, but we're still going to be near home to be around family and all this. And I think maybe you can read him a certain way, and I think maybe it turns out that Kerry Combs has more like, I'm going to test myself at the highest level. I want to I want to do it all. I want to be a head coach. I want to be in the NFL. I want to. Why wouldn't I take this job? 
maybe more than we would have thought. This is also not a bad path to being a college hedge coach. No. I wonder if he'll have any kind of title other than cornerbacks coach in Tennessee. Um, I don't know. I'm still kind of dumb. Like, this is... Ryan Day would have been a huge loss. I think this, in some ways, is a bigger loss because of how important Kerry Combs is to Ohio State's recruiting in Atlanta and in Detroit um, and, like, in the South in general, in Florida. Um, Cornerbacks want to come to Ohio State to get coached by Kerry Combs in the same way that defensive linemen want to come to Ohio State to get coached by Larry Johnson. And now they don't have that anymore. I, I don't. Alex Grinch is good, and if Alex Grinch is the guy who ends up coaching the cornerbacks, I think the Ohio State will be okay. But in the interim, um, he has to prove that he's as good as Kerry Combs because Kerry Combs was maybe the best in the country at what he does. Big loss. But that's a thing, too. So, But here we are. We're talking about this guy has done his job as well as anybody on the staff. He is not one of the highest-paid assistant coaches. Mm-hmm. He does not have a co-title. Maybe he wanted to go try something different. This is a big loss. This is a big loss. This is a dynamic presence. Yeah. This is a guy who um, we were talking about in the basketball podcast. We were talking about, and I use Kerry as the example, about energy and vitality and connection with your players as an assistant. And that the Ohio State basketball assistants under Thad Mata lost that. And I said, this new staff with Chris Holtman, it's younger and I think it has more energy. But it's not about your age. It's about the energy. It's about the connection. It's about the showing up at work every day and being fired up to be there and uh, and not being a guy who's been around forever and has lost some of the juice. And Kerry Combs has never lost one drop of juice. And that has been very, very valuable for the Ohio State football team. And as much as Urban Meyer values and demands recruiting from his assistants, like you said, this is a guy. The inroads they made in Detroit to go in and get Damon Webb, to go in and get Mike Weber, to go in and get Josh Allaby and compete there when they had a little opening right before Harbaugh got to Michigan and they they took advantage of an opening. That's Kerry Combs going to work, man. But Kerry Combs... He's tweeting about it all the time. He's everywhere. He's in Texas. He's in Georgia. He's in Ohio. He's in Michigan. This guy recruits. Look, he went and got like Tyreek Johnson was a major commitment for Ohio State in this class. He's a five, he's now a five star cornerback from uh, Jacksonville from Sean Wade's high school teammate, and that was a, like part of that was the Sean Wade connection, and part of that was Kerry Combs going down to Florida and, and doing some serious recruiting work. Um, now Tyreek Johnson is signed, so it's not like. I don't think you can like get out of your letter when your position coach leaves. I think that's kind of hard to do. But um, I'll be curious. Like, and, and from what I know, like, like the players knew about this. Like, they weren't. We were just blindsided by it. The players knew about this before that announcement just came out from Pete Thamel. Um, but I'd imagine it's got to be tough for them to see Kerry Combs leave. And I think I just finished up the post. If you want to get an idea of what the time it is, it's twelve fifty-seven at the moment. Um, this is kind of the, the, the ripple effect of Mike Vrabel going to the NFL because Combs and Vrabel were on the staff together for two years before Vrabel left to go be an assistant coach, I believe, with the Houston Texans for three seasons before becoming their defensive coordinator. So he's got a familiarity with Combs there that I think that was one of the calls he put in after he put in a call to Ryan Day to become 
to ask if they want to be the offensive coordinator. It's kind of the ripple effect that I think maybe we didn't expect from Mike Vrabel becoming an NFL head coach. Yeah, I wonder what Ohio State fans think of Mike Vrabel going after Kerry Combs, going after Ryan Day, and also, like, Ed Warner's not here anymore, but he was interested in Ed Warner, too, reporting. Like, he is not... He's not afraid to combine his alma mater for coaches for his NFL staff. I think that's interesting, and I wonder if there are any Ohio State fans who are angry about that. Well, Vrabel's also been on the record Monday. He called, he basically referred to Urban Meyer and Nick Saban as, quote, the farm system when he was talking about college football in the NFL. That's a topic for another day. Yeah. But it it is that interesting ripple effect. You guys were talking about the recruiting and just the development of Kerry Combs and the fact that by the time April goes around, Ohio State – is going to have another first round corner. That's three in two years, and that's all, that's Kerry Combs doing work with Denzel Ward. Yeah. Um. Huh. Can I read Ramsey's tweet? Yeah. Ramsey Nasralla from uh, Eleven Warriors. <laughs> Replacing Kerry Combs. Want elite recruiter, technician, personable mentor. Do not want. One of Urban's groomsmen, unfireable serial drunk tweeter, Nebraska's QB coach. Yeah. I'm just reading tweets from people That's a without comment. <laughs> just reading tweets without comment. Reading tweets without comment. I'll tell you what. I, I think it's possible that losing Kerry Combs is a cluster truck for the Ohio State football program. Great tots. It officially puts Alex Grinch on the clock, I think. Well, now they need a 10th assistant. So so Alex Grinch, I mean... I, Tim Hinton, coach quarterbacks. <laughs> I mean, it's really, this is really, really interesting. You guys can tell. You guys can tell that like we're a little bit of a... We're not at a loss of words because we're never at a loss for words. But we're a little bit shocked by this. This is a blow. This yeah. is a blow. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, it's like... It's, it's that Mike Vrabel comes to Ohio State to coach for his best friend, Luke Fickle. Luke Fickle's in need. Mike Vrabel decides to retire, steps right into an assistant coaching job at Ohio State. Um, stays for a year. Under Luke Fickle, Urban Meyer gets hired. Luke Fickle doesn't get the job. Urban Meyer decides to keep around Luke Fickle, then also decides to keep around Mike Vrabel. Urban Meyer hires this guy... I even I, we've talked about it before. I can't remember his name. He hired this guy to be the cornerbacks coach, and the guy left like a week later. He never he never coached here, and then it was like, oh man, now they've got to get another guy. Urban needs to hire another guy to be the cornerbacks coach. Who's he going to get? Oh, he got this guy from Cincinnati, who used to be a high school coach. Okay, whatever. He wasn't even the first choice for Urban Meyer on his initial staff at cornerbacks coach, and Kerry Combs has made it an indelible impact on Ohio State and made an impact on the people around him to the point that Mike Vrabel, who had no relationship with Kerry Combs before working with him on this Ohio State staff for two years, when Mike Vrabel gets his first shot to be a head coach, gets his dream job, he hires Kerry Combs, former high school head coach, who has nothing to do with the NFL. He hires Kerry Combs to his NFL staff. 
It is a testament to Kerry Combs. Here's what I'm going to miss. Arguing with Kerry Combs. Kerry Combs is a great interview because he's honest, he's confident, and he's real. Not It's hard for players to be that because they're kids. But not even all the grown-ups that we cover at Ohio State are like that. Honest, confident, real. Backs up his guys. If you challenge him, he'll come back at you. You can have a real discussion with him. He does not talk in a way that uh, is dismissive of you, but he does also not talk in a way um, that, like, he's confident enough to answer your question in a real way without being like, without pandering to you and without being dismissive of you. Yeah. Real people, man, real people, when you meet someone who's real, it makes a difference. And that's what parents of, of recruits have found with Kerry Combs. That's what players who play under him have found with Kerry Combs. And, uh, and like you start talking out, it's like, man, I can't believe Mike Vrabel hired somebody who has like no experience in the NFL. Well, all he did is hire a guy who cranks out first-rounders and is like a great freaking guy. Yeah. Oh, okay. That actually makes a lot of sense. He'll have success there. Yeah, I'm not, I don't doubt it, that. It's it's an amazing story, though, with Kerry Combs. And, you know, he was a high school coach, I believe, up until the mid-2000s. You know, works his way up. You know, lands at Ohio State, and five years later is off to the NFL. Fifth, you go in about 13, 12, 13 years from high school coach to NFL assistant coach. That's quite a track. So much credit to Kerry Combs. He's, I think he's going to do a great job with the Titans. Okay, let's get back to offensive line real quick. And then I don't know that we're going to get to any questions because we've got to get out of here. Um, we're just kind of surprised. Very, um, Yeah, very surprised. Because there was no – if Shiano goes, makes sense. Day was surprising, but not totally so when you think about the situation. If Bill Davis – Bill Davis has been in the NFL Bill his Davis, whole life. Kerry Cole, I'm like, yeah, this is, I think this is about as shocking as you can have on Ohio State staff. Yeah, I would have imagined of the guys that are on the staff that Combs would be the last guy to leave for a job elsewhere. So I'm with you 100%, Bill. Offensive line, okay, we think Thayer Munford and Brandon Bowen are going to battle out at right tackle. Right guard, we have Demetrius Knox penciled in as a starter. He took over for Brandon Bowen when Brandon Bowen got hurt in the sixth game. We think played very well in the second half of the year. Yeah. Did not win... The job in camp. But then when given an opportunity, looked like a starter. He's a redshirt senior, fifth-year guy. Like, very, was very appreciative of the opportunity, seized the opportunity. It seems very logical. I guess, for instance, if Thayer Munford wins the right tackle spot, well, Brandon Bowen beat out Demetrius Knox for the right guard spot last year. Maybe Brandon Bowen would beat him out again. Brandon Bowen's the starter. Demetrius Knox started because Brandon Bowen got hurt. But Brandon Bowen seems like more of a natural tackle. Demetrius Knox is more of a natural guard. If if Demetrius Knox has figured it out now and is a different player now than he was going into the competition last year, I guess it's reasonable to think, why, why do we have Knox as the starter there? Is it, is it just, why don't we, have, why don't we think Bowen's going to be the starter at right guard? It's, for me, it's just the injury. And doesn't mean... I, well, why is the injury such a factor for you in trying to figure out who's going to start in the fall? Because I think having a leg up is important. But, and, like, but Bowen oh. has been around and, and has been through a preseason where he won a job. 
It's not like he he's been through the battles and he's won a starting job and he's proven it on the field. Sure, but I like those guys are all going to play together because there there are times and there have been times in the past where the offensive line in the spring doesn't play together because they're all older guys yeah. and they don't want them to log all those reps in the spring for no reason. Um, I don't think that'll be the case. I think everyone, with the exception of probably Isaiah Prince, is going to play a lot in the spring, and those guys are just going to build continuity together. And I think it's going to put Brandon Bowen behind the eight ball in some capacity, not not totally in the way that he can't get back and become a starter, but I just think it's going to be an uphill climb for him. Um, and I don't think he was he was good when he started, but I don't think he was so good compared to how Demetrius Knox played that it's like a no brainer that Brandon Bowen's back in there as your guard. Um, but I'm not totally counting him out. Just like if you ask me now who I think is going to be the starters, I, I would pick Knox and Mumford and not Bowen. Okay. And I kind of have a little Demetrius Knox theory to get to it real quick. The, his emergence really has, has changed the way we think of Ohio State's depth on the offensive line because after the Maryland game, we were concerned, you know, yep. how Ohio State is going to reshuffle its line. You know, everything from Billy Price moving to right guard, Brady Taylor sliding into center. Demetrius Knox stepping in, playing well canceled all of that I think that was kind of a surprise and it changed I think it's changed the way I personally think of Ohio State's depth on the offensive line I also don't think it's totally out of the question for like Wyatt Davis to really come on and take a job and I also don't think it's out of the question for Michael Jordan to get a shot at kicking out the tackle so like the the projection we have I think is the one that makes the most sense but there's a lot of time between now and August when you have to make a decision and like if you want to go based on pure Talent and, like, recruiting profile and stuff. Like, Wyatt Davis is the only five-star in that group. So if Josh Myers is borderline five-star. Borderline five-star. Yeah. Star. yeah, but we're talking we – include him then. That's two two freshmen who redshirted last year who didn't play no. who are very capable of taking a job from somebody. And in our projection, I put – it just it doesn't matter. I put Davis at left guard and Myers at right guard as uh, the, the number two guys at those spots. In last year's recruiting class, in the 2017 recruiting class in the nation – Wyatt Davis was the number one guard. Josh Myers was the number two guard. Yeah, They came here with the expectation, like, these might be your two starting guards for two or three years. They both redshirted last year. But the idea of either of them jumping up, you know, we're given Thayer Munford in his second year at Ohio State a starting job. The idea of, of Davis and Myers jumping up is not out of the realm of possibility. You know, it certainly could happen. Now, they're not taking Michael Jordan's job unless Jordan kicks out. But that's the thing. We're moving people around. Yeah. Again, just to run through it real quick, and we got to move it a little bit. Isaiah Prince, our projection starters, Isaiah Prince at left tackle, Michael Jordan left guard, Brady Taylor at center, Demetrius Knox right guard, Thayer Munford right tackle. Brandon Bowen as the sixth lineman competing both for the right tackle and right guard spot. But Michael Jordan could play guard or tackle. Bowen, Bowen could play guard or tackle. I think it's possible that any guard could fight for the center spot. Someone who hasn't worked as a center now but could move. We're moving Prince from right to left, but you could keep Prince at right tackle, move Michael Jordan from left guard to left tackle, and then have a guard spot open. So there are a lot of possibilities here, um, which is good, which is good. Center, Brady Taylor. We have Matt, Brady Taylor as the starter, Matt Burrell as the backup center. Bill, you talked to Brady Taylor You'll have a story on that at some point, but just run down Brady Taylor a little bit. Why we have him as the starting center? Mostly because I trust Billy Price. <laughs> Billy Price is very adamant that Brady Taylor, that it's like at least his job to lose. Matt Burrell's in there. Um, maybe one of the young guys moves over. Like Jack Wallaball, I thought, would be in the mix too, but he's transferred to Duke. Um, Brady Taylor has like bided his time. He's, he's played behind 
Jacoby Bourne, Pat Alfine, and Billy Price. There's not any better centers you can learn from. Um, he was number two in the depth chart last year. If there was anything that, like, there have been times in the past where if the center went down, like, the guard was going to move over and play center. That wasn't the case last year. Like, it was Brady Taylor if anything ever happened to Billy Price. Um, and it was mostly Billy Price, like, selling me on the idea that Brady Taylor is ready for this. And I talked talk to Brady Taylor in the locker room after the Cotton Bowl, and he said, yeah, like, this is what I've been waiting for. I could have transferred because a lot of guys in the position who look like they're never going to play do that. Um he didn't. He waited around because I think he, he truly believes now is his time. He'll be a one-year starter, fifth-year lineman at center. Um, they've had success playing fifth-year guys for one year at other positions on the offensive line, Darrell Baldwin and Chase Farris. Um, so, yeah, I just uh, I think it's mostly that there isn't an obvious successor other than him. I don't know who challenges him unless Matt Burrow really makes a jump. Um, but I also would feel fairly confident that you're going to have a pretty good center, even if Brady Taylor's on a household name just because of who he's learned behind after, over the last three years, four years. And we just – guards move to center sometimes. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know. Maybe Josh Myers or Wyatt Davis could be a center. I don't know. But I just think you've got to – you know, you look for answers sometimes. So if they're looking for answers, I think Brady Taylor could lock it down. But if they feel like there's some issues there, they could look for answers. Left guard Michael Jordan was all Big Ten in his second year as a starter. Uh, as a sophomore, I think could be – fighting to be like at the all-american level um as a junior he's a two-year starter already uh tim do you think it i mean just when we're spitballing what makes more sense to keep michael jordan at guard or i mean he's kind of a big guy he's a big athlete would it make sense to have him in the tackle mix he's clearly going to start he's the best he's their best offensive lineman so what would you do with him I would almost feel like leaving him in a left guard spot would be better for him because it's where he's, he's played for the last two seasons, so where he feels most comfortable, and he, and he's done a tremendous job there. I feel like just you know consistency and the continuity, knowing that at left guard you're going to have a staple in that offensive line. Could he move over to left tackle and play? Absolutely, but I feel like you know if Isaiah Prince, you know, spring, you know, balls out and has a tremendous spring as left tackle, then you have your left side of the offensive line set, and you just go from there. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, again, there's possibilities, but Michael Jordan's going to be really good. And, again, we have Wyatt Davis as, as one of the backup guards behind him there. Bill, Prince at left tackle, are you pretty certain that's the way they go? Again, you know, it's the blind side. It's the more high-profile position. Probably helps Isaiah Prince getting ready for the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, does that just make the most, most sense? Obviously, again, Isaiah Prince is going to start somewhere. Yeah. He's a two-year starter at right tackle. Does left make most sense? Yeah, I think you want your most experienced guy there. Um, starting a true sophomore who's never played before at left tackle, which would be Mumford. Seems like a risky proposition. Um, I thought Isaiah Prince was really good last year. Jamarco Jones like hinted that that's probably the move for him, the move over to the left tackle and replace Jamarco. Um, so it makes sense to me. I wouldn't be... Super concerned about that. I thought Isaiah Prince made really great strides last year from what was a really horrible 2016 season. All right, let's run. We're not going to do any more questions. Kerry Combs blew a hole in the side of this podcast, which is fine. Give people the breakdown quickly on what you wrote Wednesday morning about Ohio State and the battle for the number one recruiting class in 2018. Oh, okay. So 247 Sports and Rivals updated their rankings. I believe ESPN still has to update theirs. And Scout, I don't know if Scout still does its own or not. They're owned by CBS now. Um 
But anyway, the the recalculation of the rankings now has Ohio State as number one by a very slim margin over Georgia. Um, so Ohio State is kind of positioned to win the first recruiting title that I don't know if they've ever won the recruiting title. Urban Meyer has not won one since they've been here, since he's been here. Um, but it still seems a little unlikely. There's a there's a calculator you can use on two four seven sports to like figure this stuff out, and I was playing around with it. If Ohio State gets like all of its top targets, which is like Nicholas Petit Frere, five star tackle, Rashid Walker, a four star tackle, um, Javante Jean Baptiste, a four star linebacker, Chris Oates, a four star linebacker, uh, Chris Olave, a four star receiver. Maurice Washington, a three-star running back, all of those guys, um, then I think they can win it. I don't think they're going to get all those guys. That's six players to a class that already has 23 commitments. And Georgia is close enough that right now, like, their top remaining target is a five-star cornerback named Tyson Campbell. And if they get him, it's going to be tough for Ohio State to catch him. So right now, Ohio State's first. There's a possibility for them to catch Georgia, but I think it's still unlikely because Georgia can still add another five-star, which would be their seventh five-star prospect. Interesting. Again, like, you know, I think I, I like I read your thing. I no, noted in the thing. I always you know like people who say recruiting rankings don't matter. It's like it's stupid. Of course they yeah. matter. So you said like if you don't care, like stop reading. Yeah. Um, obviously, it doesn't really matter whether they finish first or barely second. Right. Um, it's a really good class. Georgia has a really good class. It feels like they're getting the guys they want. But as Urban Meyer has said a thousand times, if people are keeping track, we want to win it. And I'll tell you what, if they wind up after the second national signing day on February 7th with the number one recruiting class as rated by anybody, by 247 in the composite rankings or by rivals or ESPN or anyone, they will make 5,000 graphics about it and tweet them out to the whole world. So if you think it doesn't matter, then don't look at their graphics because (laughs) they're getting them ready already hoping they finish number one, and they will blow it up like crazy. And I just looked at the rankings as well. The golf, the, the difference, I think, that stands out to me is not so much the difference between one and two, it's two and, two three. and three. So either way, I mean, it's a massive golf. It's Ohio State and Georgia in this top tier, then Texas is third. And by their scores, about a 15, 16-point difference. So Ohio State's not going to fall anything lower than number two, and they're going right. to have, no matter how those finishes, one of the two extremely elite classes as per the rankings, which I think is obviously just, you know, that's where I, Urban Meyer has tried to get this program to be. They've been close to the last two years. This would be just that continued upward trend of where they're trying to get to number one. And I do, so they're, like Tim said, they're basically all but guaranteed to have, at worst, this number two recruiting class for the second year in a row. And they're pretty much all but guaranteed to have a better class than Alabama, which is who they've been chasing since Urban got here. So even if you're not technically number one, that's still probably something for them to celebrate. Is if I find, Alabama's class is weird. They're ranked sixth in the country. I don't know why. But uh, they're not going to win the recruiting title this year. Alabama's not. And they've won every year since 2011. Wow. All right. So that was a crazy podcast with breaking news in the midst of it. Um, we covered a lot of stuff. We didn't go as many, didn't get to as many questions as usual. We apologize for that. We didn't get a lot of food questions this week anyway. So we didn't do any food talk this week. But we did th- cluster truck talk. That's true. I mean, when you're talking about the best food in America, you don't need to talk about anything else. Cluster Truck. Tweet them and get us a nickel. He's Bill. He's Tim. I'm Doug. Read us at cleveland.com slash OSU. Subscribe on Google Play and iTunes. That's your best bet for now. Okay? Google Play or iTunes. The other thing is, if you have any trouble with this stuff, you can always go to cleveland.com slash 
podcasts, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S. And on that page, you will see a list of all the podcasts that have been done by Cleveland.com in the last week, 10 days, two weeks. Browns podcasts, Cavs, Indians, my Takes by the Lake podcast where we talk about the Browns draft a lot. They're all right there. And then you can just go in that post and listen to it on the embedded player in there if you need to. But also, if you're trying to subscribe and you're having trouble, you can get in that post. And then Landis always puts like, well, click here to subscribe on iTunes or subscribe on Google Play or wherever else. So the transition is happening. We want you guys to be able to find us. Again, please tweet at us if you're having trouble. uh, But hopefully you're not. So we'll have more coming on Kerry Combs. We'll have more breakdowns in the next week or 10 days about all these position groups. Again, go read about the offensive line and Thayer Munford. Um, There's Senior Bowl stuff happening. We're going to have sort of updates as as they come across uh, on Jalen Holmes and Tyquan Lewis, who are the two Buckeyes at the Senior Bowl. So again, it's the offseason, but it's not really the offseason. National Signing Day, the second one is coming up on February 7th. The basketball team's still undefeated as we talk about this. There's a lot happening. In Big Ten play. They should be 22-0 overall. I'll have a column coming shortly on why Chris Holtman has been a failure because he lost to Clemson, Butler, Gonzaga, North Carolina. Thanks for listening, you guys. That was a little nuts. It's kind of fun to have breaking news in the middle of the podcast. podcast. Yeah, that's yeah. like the second time in three weeks we've had breaking news. I think the first was Baker leading. Yeah, Jerome yeah. Baker. That was less shocking. You know what I'm most excited about? Is that I get to go to basketball interviews now and I don't have to deal with any of them. <laughs> you guys get to write about it. You know what I'm excited about? Cluster truck! Oh, you know, Kerry Combs leaving does mean we get to make another list. <gasps> <laughs> okay, let's make a list. All right. Sounds good. We'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening. I'm Doug for Bill and Tim. That was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>